Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? The spring session of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups are starting to fill up. If you're interested in joining, go to ADHDessentials.com slash parentgroups or email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. These groups will start on Monday, March 16th, and they'll take place over eight weeks on Mondays and Wednesdays. One section is at noon Eastern Standard Time. The other section is at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Each of those eight weeks will have its own theme. Those themes in order are developing parental leadership, because as a parent, we're leaders, we're just not always intentional about it. So let's start being intentional. Creating structures and systems is week two. Of course, as we know, folks with ADHD live and die by their structures and systems. So let's clean up that morning routine, let's clean up that evening routine, and let's clean up all the routines in the middle. From there, we're going to move into fostering connection, both within the family and with our larger community. Then improving communication, communication with our kids, communication with the school, communication with people in general. And from there, we shift gears to understanding the wall of awful and managing anxiety. Those two weeks are critical to getting our ADHD and our child's ADHD managed. From there, we move into practicing self-care because you matter just like your kid does. And during that week, not only will you learn to take care of yourself a little better, but all those skills can be handed off to your kids. Just like every skill we talk about during the course of these parent groups. And of course, the last week is about asking more effective questions. Because a better question will get us a better answer, and also because in eight weeks, I'm not going to be able to get to everything. So, I'm leaving some extra bonus space for those questions folks might have. Of course, there's room for asking questions throughout the groups, but there's more space in the last week. I am signing people up now. Go to ADHDessentials.com slash parentgroups or email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. We'll set up a quick phone conversation to go into more detail on what the groups are like and to help you decide if you want to sign up. As usual, a huge thank you to the editing skills of Jeffrey Gordon. I greatly appreciate his help with this episode. You can learn more about him and his work at idealvideostrategies.com. And of course, ADHD Essentials is part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. So check out Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb and ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. Both are outstanding shows that I'm happy to be associated with. And finally, if you appreciate the work we do on this show, the interview content, the quality of the guests, I'd love a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Please help me get the word out so I can help as many folks as possible. Welcome to ADHD Essentials. Today, we're talking to Michelle. Michelle is an ADHD mom, as well as a school librarian, and she's also an alum 
of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups. Today, Michelle talks about how learning about her son's ADHD helped her better understand the kids in her library, and vice versa. Tips and tricks for helping her son navigate his day, the locker included, and the power of underreacting. She also shares just a little bit about her experience in the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups. It's by no means the bulk of the episode. It's maybe three or four minutes of the show. But if you've been wondering about what that experience is like, Michelle is here to share it with you. All right, let's get rolling. Well, I'm a mom. I'm a teacher librarian. I'm a wife. And a couple of years ago, my kid was diagnosed after kind of a funny road of uh, raising him. And ever since then, I've just kind of tried to immerse myself in understanding his view of the world and how I can help him, you know, be in it and navigate it and be himself um, and be happy with that. So what are some of the things that you've done to help you understand his view of the world? I think at first it was very hard for me to read about ADHD, but then... I found it was kind of soothing to understand more. So I I guess it started with books and websites and things that I would click around on. You know, I'm a librarian, so I like to be resourceful and find the most credible and authoritative kind of things to read. So I kind of found some favorites and trusteds that I can go to that I like, Child Mind Institute, understood. I have a small drive to work about 25, 35 minutes, and I didn't have a smartphone until about 18 months ago, maybe 15 months ago. Holy moly. I know. (laughs) So anyways, I got one. It's here. (laughs) I'm in 2000. I got a microwave about three years ago, and um, an ADHD relative of mine very rapidly said, uh, welcome to the 80s. Do you know that they've invented like a thing that lets you record television shows? I think they call it Betamax. No, we never had that in my whole life. We've never had that in our whole life. We have a VCR, but we don't use it for that purpose any longer. (laughs) We just got an Amazon Fire Stick two days ago because they said um, there were these big messages like, you need to go to this website. Your devices are no longer supported by any of the streaming services. Wow. We figured that out just in time. (laughs) Yeah, we're a little laggy here. We also have a record player um, always, so we always play records. That's an aside, but low-tech works with ADHD. That's my point there. Um, Low-tech, they respond to. It's kind of cool, as well as high-tech. But anyways, back to the point of I had a commute. Um, I figured out how to download podcasts, and I found so many ADHD podcasts. And I tried a few before I found yours, and yours was the one I stuck with. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we meandered there. I forgot the question. That's okay. That's the, that's the job of an ADHD podcast. We're supposed to meander. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you, you're reading articles, uh, I'm assuming books as well. Yeah, a little bit. Ross Green. Yeah. I actually have to email him later today because he's coming on the show. Oh. Yeah. I will definitely put that at the top of the queue. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to podcasts, mine as well as some others. What are some of the takeaways? What are you finding is happening in the course of this research? Is it, you said at first you didn't even want to do it, and then it sort of was comforting a little bit. So what's, what's that look like? I, yeah, I was uncomfortable with it. I was uncomfortable with the whole parenting end of it. I didn't know what to do. My kid was struggling at school. I work in a school. I was suddenly this strange synergy of, you know, in my workday, 
what kid is acting like the way the teachers are describing my child. You know, so it was this funny dichotomy of coming home from work and hearing about his bad day and then going to work the next day and kind of seeing another kid having similar behaviors or similar troubles. Kind of once that connected in my brain, I realized that there actually, there was something I could do. Started just reading about and listening to different podcasts and things to kind of help him through his day, to kind of give him language and give him tips that would kind of keep him in his teacher's favor and not burn all his energy and wear him out. His tendencies are less the hyperactive and more the emotional anxiety uh, jitters, if not you know, volcanic explosions, then <laughs> that's more <laughs> the type of ADHD that presents at school is anxiety, perfection, wanting to make it right. And then if it's not, poof, that tends to be what happens to him. So what are some of the strategies and language tips and things that you're giving to him? Well, the idea of checklists, the idea um, of visual cues, um, a lot of visual cues I try and put in his notebook and his lunchbox. Um, Making lists, writing things down for him has made a big difference even at home. I do that innately myself. I didn't realize all during his younger years how that was a good structure for him. And then looking back, it was very inadvertent, but it was a strategy that has benefited him. So we just continue to kind of accentuate that. Other things are... Uh, musical ditties. We come up with little musical things sometimes that help us remember things we might otherwise forget. You know, he didn't have a schedule in his school bat in like his notebook, but I wrote down a schedule for him so he could follow and he knew what books he needed when. Now he has a locker and his locker's like his command center and I've kind of gotten the ear of one of his teachers that'll help kind of make that locker you know, you open it up and it's like, oh, okay, so I got that next and this is my happy reminder and I'm loved, I'm good. And I have, you know, I know what I need to get for my next whatever after lunch routine. So now the locker is like my new command central for resetting him and focusing him. So the locker is command central. You've got, it sounds like you've got like his schedule sort of posted on the inside of the door. Yeah. And then he's got his books arranged in a way that makes sense for the order that he's going to need them. Yes. And then there's a couple of reminder pictures or post-it notes or something to help him. Yeah. Just happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Okay, (laughs) cool. And you also mentioned musical ditties. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am curious. (laughs) Do you happen to have one that you can share with us so we can get an idea of what that is? He takes meds in the morning or now he takes them at night. But anyways, when we took him in the morning, we call it his tic-tac because in order for him to take it, we practice swallowing a tic-tac first. That's a good tip. I don't know where I came up with that. But so we practice swallowing a tic-tac. Once I knew we could do that, we knew we could enter the world of medicine. But what was it? It was to head, shoulders, knees, and toes. There was a YouTuber who taught me this one. It was like lunch, back that coat and tic-tac, coat and tic-tac or something like that. So those are like <laughs> the three things, the four things you need to walk out the door, your lunch, your backpack, your coat and your tic-tac, then you can leave. That's awesome. <laughs> and you'll be set. I'm forgetting the order of it, but it had to do with the syllables. I broke it down by syllables. Yeah, we often often use songs, like I parody songs a lot of times to get him motivated or engaged or over the hump if he's feeling stressed out or unwilling to, you know, leave the house. He, he likes to stay in his comfort zone here in the house, but we have to venture out, you know? So I'll just, uh, I'll think of a song that's on the radio and I'll just launch into some, and now he hates it. He used to love it, but now he's like, mom, mom, if I do it out in public. <laughs> <laughs> but 
and it snaps him out of it. You know, whatever that funk is that makes it hard for him to engage in the next thing, it kind of bridges it for him. Because you're being playful. Yeah, and we did things even before I knew about ADHD. Like, he would never want to get in the tub, then he would never want to get out of the tub. And, like, I invented things, just different characters that we would use. You know, I was the French lady who was coming to put on your bubbles, and I would put all the bubbles all over his body, and he would be all excited. Oh, now we have to get out. We have to dry off. And I would just take on personas and be playful about it. And that really helped. I, I didn't know that it was a problem. I just thought it was fun. <laughs> and then now I learned, oh no, this is a problem. <laughs> I didn't know that till many years later. That's awesome. When my kids were little, I used to rock scream stuff a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I was an 80s hairband guy. Right. <laughs> That's so, I totally get it. I don't want to blow up my audience eardrums and I don't know how the audio will work, but I'll do it anyway. Um, I, I do stuff like, it's time to take a bath. That's what I do. <laughs> That's what I do. But I might do a little bit like, um, all the kids get in the, all the kids get in the, all the kids get in the. I would do Beyonce, you know, in the tub, in the tub, let's get in, in the tub, you know? And then, you know, we all just start like bebopping down the hallway and taking off our socks. And <laughs> of course, I did all this just because I loved being his mom. Yep. I didn't realize that this was a true obstacle. And I think. In some ways, that helped me weather years that I didn't know I was weathering. Um, and then, like, bam, third grade. And it was a big wall of, you know, your kid can't do anything the minute he's told. And I'm like, well, that is boring. And we were having fun doing it our way. Yeah. So it, my son recently said, and I thought there was some truth to it, in fifth grade, he's in now, and he said, um, Mom, we really don't learn at school. We just work and work and work and work. And I want to learn. Wow. And I, I know he's learning, but... I think he feels like he's working a whole lot more than, you know, really getting new information. That is incredibly insightful. On one level, like he's probably wrong. I'm sure he's learning stuff, but he's working harder than he needs to, to learn the stuff that he's learning. Because mm -hmm. he's probably one of those kids that picks it up the first two or three times he hears it. And then after that, it's just drudgery. Yeah. Recently he had, you know, I got a note home because he was in reading class and he wouldn't do the work. Um, and he was writing down nothing, literally the word nothing on his paper. Teacher sends me a message and I, I've kind of learned to not overreact. So underreacting is, I think, a pretty helpful tip that I have come upon. So I said, listen, buddy, I'm not upset. And it was the day before Thanksgiving. So like we were all in happy vacation mode. And I said, I just want to know, you know, why we're, because he likes reading class for the most part why were you not willing to do the work in reading class? And he said, well, I was online behind a kid and the girl said that she was done with everything. And then um, the teacher said, okay, you could go read your book now, which is his favorite thing in the whole wide world to do is to go read his book. Then it was my son's turn. And the teacher said, okay, you're done with this. Okay. Now you can work on this because you missed this last time. And that was the thing my son didn't want to do because mm -hmm. he was like, well, I didn't think it was fair that the other kid got to read. And then I had to do more work. <laughs> I would have been, I was expecting her to say, you could just read. So that was the reason for his little meltdown in that class. It was that small. That was the difference to him. I can see that from both sides, right? Like the teacher side of, yeah, but you didn't get this and I need to make sure you get it. Yeah. And his side of like, but that other kid didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Not seeing the fact that, well, she got that thing previously. Yeah. At some point when he wasn't there or something. 
but that was the reason for like you know the big letter home and why did he refuse etc and, and basically he shut down yeah I, i'm with you on the under responding right like i'm kind of like so what if it's a habit then i care but if it's not a habit if this is just like a a thing that happened the day before thanksgiving like of course that happened the day before thanksgiving or even the week before thanksgiving that's a lot of transitional time for a kid with ADHD to be navigating. And it's understandable. As a dad myself with kids who are doing ADHD stuff, I had a little, my own little meltdown on Monday of last week, which would be the week before Thanksgiving. Oh, listeners in podcast time. That's weird. But I was looking at the calendar and I was like, so we have school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or no, I'm sorry, Monday, Tuesday, no school Wednesday, no school Thursday, no school Friday. Then the weekend, Monday, they had a full day. And then Tuesday's a half day. I'm like, that's, that's a wicked disruptive schedule for these kids. That's not okay. That's not how it should go. Now with the benefit of knowing more now than I did a week ago, today's a snow day. So today is that Monday that should be a full day of school, but instead my kids are home right now. And probably they're going to be home tomorrow too, because the storm's not going to end until sometime Tuesday morning and it's a half day. So if they get a delay, it's getting canceled. But at least it's snow disrupting stuff and it's not just the arbitrary whims of the schedule. School schedule is one of the things that drives me craziest for ADHD, the way it disrupts our kids. You want to hear, you want to hear a really awful ADHD schedule? So uh, my son's school describe, uh, subscribes to something they call a drop schedule or a waterfall schedule or a cascade schedule. I've heard all different terms. So like Monday is in order, you know, period one is math and science and social studies, then lunch, then special, then recess, then reading and language or whatever. And then the next day, language is first, then math and science, then special, then recess, then lunch, then that. And then the next day, it's social studies, then language, then math and science. So every single day, it is a different class, a different period. You're never in the same spot, aside from lunch, all week long. Wow. And I have asked for justification, but this is a train wreck for my kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he can never learn to pack up his books because you know, however many Mondays there are, maybe there are 30 Mondays. It's going to take him until February to figure out Monday or whatever. Right. <laughs> I mean, not quite that bad, but it is complicated because he gets pulled out for different services and he's missing something different all the time. And that might be part of why they do it that way is because otherwise he'd miss the same thing all the time. Yes. Yes. But I get you. It's just, he can't keep track. And then the big, the big anxiety now is walking into the room and not having what you need. And the teacher being upset with them. And is that middle school or, or elementary school for you? It's an elementary school still. But they try and act all middle school for them a little bit. Okay. So they're overreacting and being too strict and too high expectations because that's what always happens the year before middle school? Yeah. Middle school is going to be a nightmare. I taught sixth grade. It's not going to be a nightmare. It's just not. It's not going to be nearly as intense as teachers like to pretend it's going to be. Unless you've got a sixth grade teacher who used to teach eighth grade and hasn't accommodated the younger kids yet and hasn't figured that out. Other than that, it's not going to be that hard. They'll do okay. I know. My son has told me that too. Well, you know, in second grade when the teacher said they never accept that in third grade, then you get to third grade and they said, they'll never accept that until you're in fourth grade. He goes, well, in fifth grade, it really meant it. They really meant it this year. <laughs> Cause it was this whole intersection of newness. And then he's going to get to sixth grade and they're going to accept that. 
because <laughs> that's just how it goes. And I've, I've worked with enough districts. I've been in, in enough districts as an employee. And I've also worked with them consulting and doing workshops and all that kind of stuff. The last grade of elementary school is usually among the strictest grades you're ever going to be in, in terms of like expectations, because they're going sixth grade or fifth grade, depending, maybe even seventh. It's going to be crazy. So we have to get them ready. And then eighth grade does the same thing because they're going to high school next year. Rah, 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 rah. And then the first grade of middle school and freshman year in high school are not nearly as intense as they want to pretend that they're going to be. It, it just isn't. Unless it's like a specific teacher who is ridiculous. Other than that, it's not that bad. So you've mentioned that you are a librarian in a school. Mm-hmm. And you talked a little bit about how you were watching your students coming through and wondering who's kind of having the behavioral challenges that my kid is having. How has being a mom to an ADHD kid influenced you professionally? Tremendously, tremendously. You know, I've always kind of been a person with her heart on her sleeve kind of person. And, uh, you know, that kind of makes sense why I'd be a teacher. But I just, I see kids with my heart so much more I see their efforts so much more, I think, than other teachers or folks I work with, maybe. It has changed my professional life almost as much as my home life and my parenting and family life. I work in a pretty low economic area, low socioeconomic area. And so there are a lot of kids with needs and and very, um, you know, food, clothing, that kind of stuff, loving homes. Those things are lacking where I work. I see under the iceberg a lot more than I used to. Used to just see the outward behavior, but now I see what they're trying to be or what they're trying to do or what they meant. Um, You know, when they come up to me and they want to say what went wrong or who did this, you know, I I respond very differently than I used to. You know, I used to be going, who said what? And then they would, did you say this? Why would you say that? That's not kind, that kind of thing. And now I kind of explain a little more of what I suspect is going on. The other advantage I have is I teach K to six. Um, I see every kid every year for seven years straight. So I really know those kids. And I feel like because I know them when they're five, I know that by the time they're 11 and kind of hormonally weird and wonky in the way that happens to us, I kind of know who they, who they were. I know where their best intentions lie and who they want to be, even though they're kind of having a hard time figuring out who they want to be. So I feel like I have a really good relationship with just about all my kids. And if I don't, I'm working on it. A lot of ways it's helped me at work. A lot. That seeing under the iceberg, the unmet needs and the hidden challenges all sort of inform that outward expression of behavior that may or may not be frustrating for us as adults and and staff members. Being able to see the underlying stuff makes it easier to manage the frustration of that little symptom of the kid calling out or calling someone a name or whatever the case may be. They were, we were in a tight spot and the kid had a clipboard in his hand and he wanted to get the, this kid has like, you know, doesn't want people close. And so he pushed with the clipboard. And of course the metal hit the kid in the side and he was so upset. And, you know, so it was an incident, like the kid is hurt. The kid has to go to the nurse, you know, but I knew the boy just needed space and he was just trying to get the space the way he knew how it wasn't the best way, but I know that his intention wasn't to harm or hurt. And I I think in other environments that might not have been viewed that way. So I feel like that was kind of tempered. I feel like that's something that I'm able to do is kind of temper some overreaction, some unnecessary punitive kind of things, disciplinary things that I I really don't think are helping kids 
be their best. What has helped you get there? First it was seeing it and then it was like observing it like, oh, I don't think that little boy really meant to hit that other boy hard with the clipboard. I, I think there was a period of time where I just understood that, but I kind of still acted the way I was prone to acting. Then I realized that, you know, I have to start kind of speaking up or talking differently. Talking differently to the kids really helped. Empathizing really helped. Like, I know you really were squished in that spot and there was no way out. I know. I, I think empathizing was a big thing. And I feel like I have an advantage because I get to know them for, for the seven years. I mean, I've been in the district long enough that that is the case with almost everybody. So in terms of, in terms of research into ADHD, you've mentioned that you, you're a fan of Understood and the Child Mind Institute, the work of Ross Green, my podcast. I know that we bumped into each other at the ADHD conference about a month ago. Oh, such a great day. Yeah. And I also know that you were in my parent coaching groups. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you'd be comfortable talking a little bit about, about that. Just what was that experience like for you? Well, I was really on the fence about it <laughs> at first. And then I saw our doctor and I said, you know, I'm contemplating this. I don't know if it's really worth my summer. Like, you know, cause I was like, oh, this is going to color my summer. It's going to put me in a mood. I just want to enjoy my kids and forget all about all the, you know, parenting things and school related things that give me such stress. And my doctor said, or my son's doctor said, do it. Absolutely. Yes. Anything that connects you with anybody. And I remember her saying anything that connects you with anybody. And that has been the theme. That was the theme of the conference. That is definitely my biggest takeaway from your webinar. So I, I signed up like in the car. And by webinar, you mean the coaching groups? Yeah. Okay. The coaching group. Yes. So joining the coaching group, uh, you know, I live in a somewhat rural area. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey, which is very densely populated. So everybody thinks I live in the sticks that I know. And joining just made me feel not alone. It also made me feel not so dumb. It made me feel good about weathering the years that I'd weathered, which was third and fourth grade. Um, when I listened to other dads and moms talk about their kid being in first and second, and I was like, wow, I did it. And then it was awesome because I heard from moms who were in sixth and seventh grade or kiddos with sixth and, sixth and seventh grade. And I went, oh, that's what's coming. And as the pre-planner I am, it made me feel like I'm not going to be blindsided the way I felt for a while I was blindsided with, oh my God, what am I going to do? Catch up, catch up, figure this out, figure this out. You know, you got to be ahead of your kid. That's parents' job. Um, and I was backpedaling there for a while. So this coaching group, and now like these people that we met with, kind of like the Brady Bunch, they pop up in my brain when I'm stressed out and I see <laughs> the, little, <laughs> the little screens that they were in when we would sit here and have our sessions. And I can kind of reference their experiences and their wise words. And it's, it's comforting. And I'm not alone. And that is a really big deal. I'm trying to do that a little more in person now with the people I know. I know ADHD is touching their lives and I want to be okay with talking about it because that is helping me when I do. Your webinar was worth every penny and every minute and probably the best. I know it was the best thing I did all summer. It really was. Wow. Made me feel okay. That's, I, wow. Thank you very much. That's great to hear because I don't, 
Yeah. I, I don't always know. Well, and then when you said, if you go to this conference, I was like, I've got to get to this conference. And I got my district to pay and I got them to listen to me and I got them to want to know the resources I found. And the whole time I was getting there, I was just scanning, scanning. Oh my gosh, what does he look like? Where is he? Where is he? What, you know, I'm, he's not going to be wearing headphones. Every time I'd seen you, you've been wearing headphones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was like, what's he look like? I got to find him. Um, and I was doing the same thing with my doctor because there's so many people there. And it was, you know, multi-levels, multi-floors to try and uh, find the two people I wanted to connect with. So both our doctor and you, yeah, it was a real special day for me. I was really proud that I was able to make that happen. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I wasn't able to connect with you more than I was because that conference just drags me in a hundred directions at once. Oh, I totally understand. It's like a Mecca. It's a hotbed of opportunities and connections and networking. I can see why you needed to make the most of it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really grateful to hear that the, that the coaching groups have meant as much to you as they did. And, and I'm, I'm glad that we were able to connect at the conference. Yeah. I still have my notes. Really? I still have my notes. I still go back to them. Like you said something about lying. I'm like, what about lying? My kid just lied. <laughs> you know, let me go find, what did he say about lying? Oh, it's a coping mechanism. Okay. 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 Because you know, I tend to think, I don't want my kid to be a liar. Oh my gosh. Kind of thing. <laughs> it must mean something. There's something under the iceberg. Somebody told me, and it was another, it was another awesome takeaway was behavior is a symptom. It's not a cause. And that's another thing that turned around things that work for me a little bit. Like I, they're acting this way. There's a reason, you know, and I, I still feel like I'm trying to drum that into the, my son's teachers. He's acting this way for a reason. I know you don't see the reason. It might be completely invisible to you, but there is a reason. And I find if I don't overreact when he comes from, home from school, often I can learn that reason. And I think just him knowing that I know the reason makes him feel better. And it doesn't correct the problem that happened at school that day, but I hope it helps wire himself to be forgiving of himself as opposed to just the outside things of, you know, you didn't listen, you're bad, you're behind, you know, you're late, you didn't put your name on top, that kind of stuff that teachers kind of say a lot, that there's a reason underneath him. And I, I hope that helps. I'm banking on it. <laughs> I know as an adult, it helps. So even if he struggles to get there when he's 10, healthy, well-adjusted 26-year-old, eventually he'll get there. Yeah, exactly. So just being mindful of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? Be comfortable in it. I, I think that's what I've needed to do for his sake is there are so many positives. There are so many positive. There's so much excitement and energy and creativity and you know boundless things that I think are in my life as a result of this. Big laughs are in my life as a result of this. I kind of think it as a complicated yoga pose. You're supposed to be comfortable in that complicated yoga pose. And that's when you get the most out of it. I know it's a complicated yoga pose, but I'm, try, you know, I'm trying to be comfortable in it. And I think when I carry myself that way, then he can too. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community.
I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.